Welcome to Season 3 of the Filament Games Podcast, a show dedicated to game-based learning. Here are your hosts, Brandon Pitzer and Dan Norton. You know, if there is an afterlife... I'm fairly confident that it's going to be like Abby's voice guiding me to whatever the next place is. Does she know that? I maybe I'm, I don't think I'll tell her that actually. That's one of those I don't She's know. She's going to find out. Yeah, yeah. Not recorded it for posterity. Well, I don't know if Abby's a, a listener. We'll yeah. see. Well, a reader, a gentle reader. <laughs> Who isn't these yeah. days? Uh, hey, everybody. This is Brandon speaking, and it's Dan Norton. And the mystery guest. Uh-oh, who's nah, he? Yeah. <laughs> who's this guy? <laughs> Please use that voice. For, for the, the rest of the, the podcast. That is the, the podcast. only way he talks. Yeah. We, we can all do that. Yeah. Hello, everybody. Hello, podcast. <laughs> I'm not jumping in on this. <laughs> <laughs> i got to keep us anchored in reality. Yeah. All right. Yeah, who are you? My name is Ethan Psycho. All right. And that is true, by the way. Yeah. That is true. Yeah. That is a true fact. Yeah. It's, yeah. How, how do you spell that? Uh, the the first name is E T H A N. Excellent. The, the second one, the one that is probably uh, probably perplexing people are more people, curious about, yeah. is uh, C A Y K O. Has origins in Yugoslavia. All right. And and totally changed at Ellis Island. Hmm. Man, now that was, Ethan, that uh, was more information than I bargained for. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ethan, I forget which Dakota you hail from. The Northern, Northern Dakota. Yes, North Dakota. So, so yeah, who, we got we got into a heated debate at, at a sandwich shop the other day about your point uh, of origin. Yeah. yeah. We were both right. Yeah. Oh, how we are you both right. right and debating? Well, because I thought you were from Montana, okay. and you are just more recently from Montana. Yes. But yeah. originally you are from North Dakota. Yes, it's yeah. it's kind of an odd thing. I, I actually, I say that I hail from the Mondak region. Ah, wow. And in that area, the Mondak is is what people call it, and it's really the, the area around the border of Mo- Montana and North Dakota. All right, so I brought this up. Uh, because I'm fascinated by this region. Because when I met you, I was like, people are there. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> it's just a place I know nothing about. But mm-hmm. obviously, it can't be today's podcast topic. So <laughs> if you have questions for Ethan about yes. the Mondak area, just yeah. send them along and <laughs> yep. uh, he'll be able to provide you a reel of fascinating stories about a little piece of America that no one knows really exists. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, computers haven't gotten there yet. Phones have right? not gotten yes. there yet. They're yeah. just, just, just getting there. Yeah, flip yeah. phones. Pony, People ride around on Express. wooden gear-driven centipedes because mm-hmm. <laughs> they don't have cars. Yep. Yeah. They're elves, actually. <laughs> yeah, the people are elves there. Yeah, um, it's, that's the undying lands, actually. That's, where, that's where, when you retire to the west. That's actually the Mondak region. Yeah, yeah. Yep. No one hears from you ever again. So, uh, Dan, what are you playing? Oh, I actually have a fun one. All I'm right. playing Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, <laughs> like, Element fired up a yeah pen and paper, oh. rolling the dice. Oh, yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah, Filament fired up a new D&D group with uh, a new developer we have here. Jared is running the campaign. Thanks, Jared. Mm-hmm. Yeah, super cool, Jared. It was really fun. Um, it's uh, kind of a creepy, melting world. Everything's falling apart. Mm. Uh, weird denizens in the sky. And like, yeah, yeah it's, it's pretty good. Pretty Sounds grim. awesome. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I'm playing a... Gollum. I'm a mechanical mantis on search in Ooh. on a search for his missing master. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I'm ostensibly lawful good, but I'm also not living. So 
I will have awkward pauses during like after I've been like, looks like murder's the solution here. <laughs> Which is of course a tragedy because every human life is valuable. <laughs> uh, so I'm really enjoying my character. I think yeah. it's gonna go. Yeah, you're digging in. Yeah. Good. Yeah, how about you? I'm playing, uh, actually I have to look. It's on my phone. Um, what's the name of this thing? Uh, card crawl. Mm-hmm. Card crawl. Card crawl. Yeah. So it's actually the precursor to Card Thief. Oh, which, yeah. Which I think we mentioned earlier in the season. I still play Card Thief. Yeah. So it's the same guys. Yeah. Same dev. Um, and it's like dungeon crawl solitaire kind of. Oh, it, cool. Yeah. It plays. It has a lot of similar dynamics to a Hearthstone or a Magic the Gathering type game, but you go through, you just proceed through a deck of 54 cards and essentially play this sort of take on solitaire. Hmm. And it's it's extremely enjoyable. Yeah, the card thief, um, Matt Hazleton, uh, who, our retro review superstar, mm-hmm. uh, introduced me to card thief. Um, and also that game, that game got him just absolutely fascinated with cards as a game mechanic because cards are amazing yeah Mm -hmm. like they can hide information they can be randomized they can have relationships with each other like cards do all this crazy stuff just for being shards of paper yeah Yeah. Ethan what are you playing I um, recently I've been playing Mount and Blade yes Warband the old the older one Um, yeah I, I thoroughly enjoy some parts of it, but here's the here's the catch. I'm playing it on the Xbox. No. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Previous yes is retracted. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So I, I don't have a PC. Just with the Kinect, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just the Kinect. You know, I stand there and wave my arms around and yeah. knock potted plants off. <laughs> no, you don't use the motion cells. part. You use the voice command. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Xbox stab, Xbox stab, (laughs) slash, 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 (laughs) reload. Uh, Yeah, but so I love the I love the aspect of um, sort of creating your own narrative, creating your own story. You Mm -hmm. have this character, and you you go. You've got this huge map, and and your actions have all sorts of consequences, Mm -hmm. and and you can really lose everything in the blink of an eye. Yes. the thing that I, one of the things I like about it too is that it, as a kid, I played a lot of Civilization, uh, Sid Meier games, and uh, Rome Total War was like a big, yeah. a formative game for me. Mm. And what all I wanted was a Rome Total War that I could jump inside one of the, the yeah. like players in the, in the battlefield and be that b- person and like yeah. fight alongside. Mm-hmm. Um, and this game does do yeah, that. It delivers me. the goods on that front. That's, yeah. mm-hmm. and it's amazing. How old is that game now? It's like what, 40 years old, 50, 56 years old at this yeah. point. 87, I think. 1987. Yeah. yeah. I think it was originally yeah. for Casio calculator. <laughs> yeah. Right. No, I don't know how <laughs> no. old that game is. It is Warband. Old, Warband, yeah. I think came out in 2007. I think that's about right. I yeah. remember, yeah, when we founded Filament, like, White and I were like, Mountain Blade, man, it's freaking awesome. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, I remember it melting the laptop I had yeah. back, mm-hmm. back in the day. Mm-hmm. Literally. So, the, thing, the thing that I, I don't like about it and that really makes it an incredibly tedious game to play is that I'm playing it on Xbox and yes. the controls are frustrating, to say the least. Yeah. Um, but I muscle through it because I love the game. Yeah. And and I just it's it's such a I wrestle with it every time I play that like I'm so frustrated by so many like user experience issues, but 
I still love the game. Well, I can tell you on the PC, it is a perfectly polished gem. Yeah. No, that's a lie. <laughs> it's still super rickety, but yeah. holy yeah. cow, you just tear through people <laughs> on a, when you got a couch lance, they're just yeah. like, these, people are just like these walking pieces of tissue paper that you just <laughs> yeah, shred. Absolutely wrecked. Or the, yeah. the old like war hammer mm. horse mounted. Skull polo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so there's breaking the, shields like butter. Yeah. There's yeah. just the combat in that game. I think it's kind of still unparalleled. Yeah. Uh, Mountain Blade 2. Bannerlord. I will think. be playable at the next E3. Really? It's That's coming. Exciting. Very exciting. Prepare mm-hmm. yourselves. Yeah. Because mm. if they can just simply port that combat into another game that is not broken. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And ideally, they can have mod support again. Oh, boy, if they have mod support. Anyway, I'm really excited. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm glad you're playing it. Yeah. I may, now I may have to fire it up. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Did you guys try uh, For Honor? That game sort of oh, smacked I've... of Mountain Blade for me. I didn't play it at oh, all, but yeah. I just thought I haven't it was played it yet, but I've seen some videos, and it looks like the, the combat is, like, incredible. Yeah, it's it interesting. I was reading about their user base the other day, and they've had a similar arc to what the Divi- Division had. Um, where they got like a big burst of players, but have experienced like a ninety percent drop off oh, wow. mm. in user base, and it's like they can put out a new piece of content and it will spike, like by a couple thousand players per day. But that's it. I think mm. wasn't that multiplayer only for honor? Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That to me is a no go. Yeah. Right. Because mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. hate people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure. Like and sure. Uh, yeah, that's I remember that there was another one at the same time. There's some like. Some other nighty, stabby game that came mm. out around the same time. Are you thinking about Paladins? No, okay. it had some name like For um, Valor. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> men at Men at Valor, <laughs> Steely Fighting, Knights, Chivalry. Knights of one called Chivalry. It might seriously been. called Chivalry. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. There is one called Chivalry. I think that is. Yeah, yeah, and I think is. those were like sort of. Uh, around the same time, but yeah. neither of them let you control a warband of like sixty mounted yeah. archers. No, true, yeah. but chivalry has the same kludgy, semi-realistic combat mm-hmm. feel that mm. uh, Mountain Blade does. Yeah. Anyway, enough about all that. <laughs> yes, reluctantly. We yeah. should move on. Let's move yeah. on. Um, Forward. Yeah. What we're talking. <laughs> I think. Yeah. What is that? <laughs> what That's command one, command two. <laughs> I forget how D-pad that works. Right. Archers. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm using. Yeah, that's appalling. That is appalling. So, Ethan, uh, why, 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 why are you here? What do you do? <laughs> what do you, what do you do? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Actually, why are you in I the broader wand- sense? I just, why, I just why do you exist in at here? all? Yeah. <laughs> Boy, I think about that every day. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> right. um, I, I am here at mm-hmm. Filament Games mm-hmm. as a producer. All right. What does that involve? That involves. <laughs> that is a good question. <laughs> You uh, sound skeptical, Brad. I'm, go- I'm going with the aggro interviewer. Today. Yeah. Yeah. What do you produce? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what have you produced, yeah. sir? <laughs> uh, it, it's funny because a, a producer does pro- facilitate the production of things, mm-hmm. um, but but rarely actually does the producing themselves. I see. Yeah. Um, I think I've learned much over the, my my time here in what exactly that role of a producer is um and yeah managing time managing Mm -hmm. budget Mm -hmm. managing 
the scope of a project and and being able to really wrap your head around um, the high level and the low level of of various things built of building an, uh, a game uh, or any piece of software at the same time yeah and navigating mm-hmm. those two worlds and communicating that accurately I think that's the biggest challenge nice there you go but you also do some sound stuff right? oh yeah Yep. Yeah. yeah. So le- what did you do prior to Filament? Yeah. So prior to Filament, um, I was a student. Um, I <laughs> mm. uh, it, Just prior to Filament, I was living in Calgary, Alberta, and I was going to graduate school there, and I was studying Sonic Arts, um, which is a fairly... Uh, Please be about... Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> yes. Please be like an art program dedicated to <laughs> solely to uh, Sonic celebrating the Sonic. A degree in Sonic fan art. Yeah. yeah. We have a minor certificate in Tails. <laughs> <laughs> My specialist yep. has got to go fast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, God. Anyway. Yes. Mm. Uh, but but Sonic Arts uh, it it uh, it deals with sort of the cross section between music composition and computer science and designing. Uh, uh, I- digital instruments, basically using computers and technology to create sounds that have previously uh, not existed, or just optimizing that process of sound creation with computers. Mm. Two-part question: mm-hmm. What's the favorite sound you've created that didn't exist, and can you reproduce it for us? <laughs> no, I don't know. <laughs> nope. Ooh. I think this program needs to be burned to the ground. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's the only way to be sure. The, that's uh, yeah. So sounds that are created uh, through synthesis, yeah, can are oftentimes criticized for being uh, sort of too clinical, uh, uh-huh. because a lot of times in the past, especially with analog synthesizers, these fabricated new sounds were made with sine waves, either adding them mm-hmm. through additive synthesis or, or taking broadband noise or some sort of noise, noisy signal or a, mm-hmm. sa- a sawtooth wave or s- something like that, and subtracting things from it. So you end up with these very clinical sounding, like pure sounds mm. that to the ear just sound not very interesting. They're not very organic. And, and the thing about sounds in the real world is they're super complex. There's tons of crazy frequency content that is is at all sorts of weird harmonics, um, and that gives it a life. That gives it a, an organic sort of sound. Um, and that's what I like about, about sound design today and, and the way that uh, computer programs have gotten more sophisticated is you're able to uh, take the organic elements of sound and the imperfections and really work that in with synthesized and created sounds and get uh, totally new timbres that don't really there's no physical instrument that could produce wubs you know yeah. <laughs> or, yeah, yeah, or, yeah. you know <laughs> something like that and that's not to say that that you know synthesis is is being used purely for electronic dance music it's all sorts of of different sound creation is being done right in my youth I used to be way into like autecker yeah Oh boy, nice. I was just listening to Autechre this morning. All right, so so when you're like and creates these sterile and personal I'm like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's mm-hmm. th- yeah, perfect crystal stark landscapes. Mhm. Uh but then you made me think about like Boards of Canada where Ooh, like yes, another good band. You get the same kind of yep. alien landscapey sounds, but then they always throw in some layer of like 
ultra lush organic stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Birds. Birds. <laughs> children. Yeah. A lot of birds. Yeah, in, children yeah. in a playground. Yeah. The word orange. The word. Mm-hmm. That's a great song. <laughs> orange. <laughs> I'm sorry. Anyway. No, uh, a rendition yeah. right now, please. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I put Ethan up to the task. So that's, that's true. That's true. do the same. <laughs> um, so, you know, let's let's think about, like, how does that relate to, to games? So, like, mm. um, you know, from your educational background, mm-hmm. like, how do you see that kind of uh, sound work get, atta- get applied mm-hmm. um, in the realm of games? Yeah. Well, I think in... In this aspect of, of you know sound design, sound creation, I think VR is a good place for this, um, simply because there is an assumption that if you are wearing a VR headset, you're also wearing headphones. I think one of the challenges that that we as a studio making educational games that are oftentimes played in a classroom have is that if every student is playing that on a laptop in front of them in a classroom, they're either going to turn the sound off because it's distracting to other students around mm-hmm. them or it just ends up cacophonous. You know, everybody's got sound coming out of a laptop that doesn't really coincide with what everybody else is doing. So if you're in a VR environment, you, you have the assumption that headphones are on as well. Um, and, and when you can make that assumption, you know that, okay, you can really craft well-designed sounds and really craft a space for that, that user and just like you're crafting the visual space uh, with with the 3D art and everything like that. Hmm. So when you create like a space like that, um, you know, presumably that changes, like that has a massive impact on someone's perception of their experience, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we, when we were preparing for this, we had talked about this concept of uh, situated cognition mm-hmm. and how this sort of um, almost fosters that. Yeah. So can you kind of speak to like the ways that you think, um, you know, this kind of sound design creates situated cognition? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So um, this is where I, I'll point to James Paul G., uh, one of our you know, champions. Jimmy G. Um, he, he writes about situated cognition and how important um, sort of embodied lear- learning is. Uh, and that's, that's one of the things that um, I think project-based learning it kind of has a, a leg up on games-based learning in some ways through um, embodiment. You're you're physically in a place doing something mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to visually seeing information and processing that. Um, I think what immersion with sound and, and through a VR environment can do is sort of bridge some gaps there that... Uh, um, I forget the name of it, but it's at a London museum right now. It may be showing right now or it may have shown already, but it was a VR uh, experience that showed um, how airflow went over the wings of a plane. And it was sort of Hmm. a a way of describing visually uh, how aerodynamics worked on these old timey planes. Oh, I've, Um, uh, I've seen this. Yeah. Yes. And and I thought that was that was a really nice use of VR because it 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 you know was able to put you in this space that, that a human could no not be in in reality. Mm-hmm. It was able to show you visually these concepts that are usually taught 
um, you know, abstractly. You 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 ask the listener, well, you have to, or you ask the 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 student to imagine how this sort of function of aerodynamics going over the wing um, looks, and then you can illustrate it in two D. But to actually see that in three D, to look around and like explore it, you you create a, a more, much richer understanding of that. Now with project-based learning and, and actually having students engage in holding the objects that they're building with if you're if you're building something or mm-hmm. something like that you really learn about the the materials you're you're learning about um, the physicality the of physicality it. of mm-hmm. it right um, and and games on a on a screen can't really give you that physicality um, and VR also cannot really give you that physicality mm-hmm. but it can give you some things it can give you a uh, an immersive sonic space mm-hmm. that that you can explore within it can give you an immersive uh, visual space that you can explore within and and in that environment it can also uh, give you things that uh, you wouldn't have in a uh, a real world setting I, I think of uh, just the other day I was skipping rocks on on the lake here in in Madison and <laughs> nice <laughs> yeah. with a bluebird on your shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I thought, you know what? S- skipping rocks is really good as a really good activity for learning about like surface tension of water, for learning about, you know, gravity, about uh, velocity and you mm-hmm. need to throw at a certain speed and there were other kids that were that were there at the at the at the <laughs> other um, kids <laughs> park. <laughs> well, they, and they were trying to throw throw rocks as well and and oh, sure. and and you know, they were kind of struggling. They would just throw it and it would go up and down and yeah. splash. And you just laughed and laughed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's right. Well, this yeah. is the national pastime of the, the Mondak Nation. Yes. yes. Presum- <laughs> presumably. Time for our annual Going down child to the river. mocking festival. <laughs> and skipping rocks. Right. Each child's brought onto stage. Yeah. Not what <laughs> I meant, but I like that better. Yeah. <laughs> Rock uh, skipping championship. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> I got 16 bounces out of Who's the skippinest? <laughs> Anyways, but anyway, what I, what yeah. I was thinking in that moment was that uh, I would not want a VR game to teach me how skipping rock, like a VR game where I skip rocks and learn about velocity and learn about surface tension of water. Because really, what I was, what I needed in that moment was the weight of the rock in my hand, mm-hmm. the the feel of okay, this is a smoother rock that has a wide side, mm-hmm. not just a round rock. That was all important information that I don't think a VR environment could afford, but there are other circumstances where a VR environment could inf- could afford things that that embodied in by a lake can't quite do. Mm. And part of that would be visualization, and part of that would be sonification of data that you do not have in the real world. Hmm. So let's so let's uh, let's sonify. Sonificate our, <laughs> our listeners, um, because uh, Ethan, you brought a clip, right? Ah, yes. That kind of like demonstrates what we're talking about in terms mm-hmm. of like how audio can kind of immerse you mm-hmm. and create this sort of sense that you're in a place um, surrounded by things happening. Um, so I'm going to turn to our pr- trusty producer, Josh. Wait, it's not that drowning weasel sound that you made earlier, is it? No, it is not. <laughs> okay. It is not. <laughs> no, okay, good. No, that's that was a one-off just for you. Yeah. I do believe. I don't appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> you asked for it. Man. I know. I did. I did. Yeah, yeah. But sometimes the tragedies we commit to ourselves. 
That's true. Are the worst. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's that's a Norton nugget right there. There you go. Yeah. I'm gonna that's pull, my that's, real real pick me up for yeah, today. <laughs> that's a pull quote for social media yeah. later. Well, you know, sometimes you see people <laughs> do something sad on the internet and people are like, Well, you did it to yourself. I was like, It's still sad. <laughs> that doesn't revoke the sadness. It may in fact amplify it. <laughs> it makes it deeper. Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> yeah. Are you ready, Sorry. Josh? All right. Now, as I begin a clipping, and I bring the clippers closer to your ear, very closer to the right ear. Follow me as I move around the back of the head to the left ear, and up and over like the this. top of the head. Okay. I do need a haircut, though. <laughs> I'm getting one today. I'm getting one tomorrow. This is like a sneak preview. Yeah. Effect better with the electric razor. I'll first bring it close to your right ear. Oh man, <laughs> that's really in there. <laughs> and around the back. And onto your left. And that's just a broad yeah. swath across the <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's a simple haircut. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now for the Batman logo. Yeah. <laughs> Nike swoosh. Yeah. I'm thinking your likeness, actually. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to yeah. shave your face onto the back of my head. I'm going to have the back of your head shaved on the back of my head with my likeness embedded in it. Mm-hmm. Have your face shaved into my beard. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'd pay money for that. I would too. Okay. Well, let's talk about what just happened. Yeah, that was cool. <laughs> we're joking, yeah. but it's because it was actually. It was quite, uh, yeah. Yeah. I think the combo of the fact that it's those sounds with yeah. so much directional power, but also right. a sound we're already used to the idea of paying great heed to when mm-hmm. it's near your head. Yes. Yep. Yeah. It's like a, as a, a powerful combo. Yeah. Yeah. So that was. That was done by a, a studio called Q Labs or Q Sound Labs, um, and they—it's a binaural recording, which is done by uh, taking a a dummy head, just mm-hmm. a foam. Uh, it's a dense material that mimics the density of a human head, and uh, puts—they put microphones, omnidirectional microphones, in both of the ear canals of that dummy head, and then record sounds with that. And the way that—that—and that, that's sort of why. You know, when we're speaking right now, we're in 3D stereo. Mm-hmm. Stereo is, mm. is two channels. Yeah. Um, and that was stereo as well, but it was, in, it was recorded in a different way. It was recorded with this binaural technique that mimics the human head. And our head does a lot to the sounds that we hear. And the distance between our ears makes a big uh, difference in that. And there's, there's a lot of, of detail in the way that humans hear and how we parse that information of simply air molecules vibrating at varying rates mm-hmm. and use that to localize sound in space. And in VR, it's, it's getting more and more sophisticated, um, being able to uh, localize a sound source and then move, the player can move around in the environment. And as a result, they're hearing things you know, change uh, in that space. It just doesn't seem like sound should work at all. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, it's weird you're just going to shake the air in a particular way and you're yeah. going mm. to know what words they are. Yep. Sure. sure, why not? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just like we're at the bottom of this giant ocean of water mm-hmm. and this stuff jiggles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that jiggling is touches uh, our this membrane in our ear mm-hmm. and it jiggles these three tiny bones in our ear that then translate that information from mechanical energy into electrical energy that are electrical signals that go into our brain and say, this is a word. 
Yeah. See, this is like one of those places where like Occam's razor totally fails. Mm. Yeah. That doesn't sound at all like the most reasonable way for that no, to go down. It does yeah. not. <laughs> and you're like, no way. <laughs> and yet here we are. Earbones. Yep. Yeah. Tiny, mm. tiny earbones. Yeah. <laughs> so um so why do you think it's so important for for a VR game to have this kind of sound? Mm. Well, uh it it depends on what what type of VR game it is. Mm-hmm. I think there are some VR games that probably don't necessarily need to have highly immersive sound, although if the environment that you're in in a VR game is visually immersive, if you're in a space in the game, if you're not, you know, uh, like, uh, what is the universe game that you can, like, build planets and mm-hmm. put them all about? That yep. I don't think you would necessarily want to have well, yeah, you probably would. But, <laughs> you're I mean, talking to yourself. I, yeah, highly immersive sound. But if you're in a room in a, in a VR game, you want to be able to localize sounds in that space. Mm-hmm. So if you pick up something to your right, it sounds like it's outside of your head and it sounds like it's over to the right. If you pick up something to your left, it sounds like it's outside of your head and it's over to the left. With headphones on, that's one of the biggest challenges. Is it sounds like it's being piped right into your ear. It's mm-hmm. right there. Mm-hmm. Um, when you spatialized sounds like it was in that binaural recording, it sounds like it's outside of your head. It sounded like those scissors were right by your ear, but they're not in your ear. Um, That's what binaural recording helps facilitate, and that's what um, just just sound spatialization and VR and immersion helps facilitate. I wonder if they recorded that uh, with the inverse uh, description, if they told you, here I am at your left ear while it's being pumped through the right Mm-hmm. Yeah. What? What? How your brain's going to? I, I had that happen to me. My brain said your headphones are on backwards. <laughs> ah, there you go. Okay. All right. Thanks, science. Yeah. <laughs> now we know. So that fact is actually strong enough to even. But yeah, it counteract. Took, well, mm-hmm. right. It took me out of it. Yeah. You know, I was just like, well, this obviously this isn't real, right? Yeah. Um, and I think that like that's kind of what I was was poking at was like I think this is sort of a key ingredient in terms mm-hmm. of like what we talk about as key advantages or affordances mm-hmm. of virtual reality, which is that it can give you a different sense of place, different sense of identity, um, and a sense of an embodiment, like a mm-hmm. really actually embodying whatever identity you're taking on when you put on that headset. Mm-hmm. And so I think this is, this is something that is uh, critical for, for true embodiment, you know? I think so. It, 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 like having this sensory input because as as ethan pointed out you have basically two avenues of sensory input when you're in vr um mm-hmm. i guess with the third being touch but that's mediated yes, yes. through a peripheral yeah. super mediated yeah well so remediated ex- currently. exactly yes. yeah. exactly so um so really the two sensory avenues you have for for input in vr are visual and audio mm-hmm. and um it obviously visual is like the most obvious part of it yeah you know? that's the part that is like blatantly uh Awe, awe-inspiring when you put mm-hmm, it on. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I think if the audio isn't there and if it isn't sufficiently, uh, you know, put put in place to feel like a physical realm that you're yeah. in, yeah. Um, the the experience would fail. Yeah, it loses richness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. It is. It's almost sort of similar to how a player approaches systems inside games. Mm. Like sound is like the water in which you swim. Mm-hmm. Yes. And you you actually spend not a lot of time challenging it. You just interpret it as like this is how it is. Right. Mm-hmm. Um and so if it is weak, uh 
then the world is just fainter. Yeah. And uh, I think that's, that's an interesting thing. Like, I, I mean, I, I'll, I think I've probably joked about this on the podcast before, but there's an ongoing obsession with just about any single face shooting game out there about how good the shotgun sounds. Right. Mm. Right. Like, well, the shotgun sound was really good in this game. Yeah, I got mm-hmm. that hollow. Right. <laughs> yeah. And it's, and I think it's actually, honestly, it's, it's, it's because, you know, Ethan, you mentioned earlier, like about the lack of physicality, but I think mm-hmm. sound, sound can lend physicality, right? Yes. If that shotgun has true. An, a meaty, yeah, solid sound, Sounds the gun heavy. now feels more mm-hmm. powerful. And when, yep. if it's, if the sound is timed well with impact and, mm-hmm. you know, various demons exploding, mm-hmm. everything just, the, it feels more physically grounded. Yeah. Uh, and that's, I think, an interesting, an interesting thing. Sometimes they go way over the top, right? Like every, every single weapon sounds like uh, meat getting punched, <laughs> right? They, yeah. every, everything gets over meated <laughs> yeah, and yeah. over kathunky because yep. they're like obsessed <laughs> with the physicality. And that usually winds up going wrong the other way. But mm-hmm. uh, I think there's been, there's actually, now I think about it, there's been some interesting weapons in the opposite. I don't know if you guys remember the rail gun from classic quake days oh this was a gun that shot a single bullet that could kill just about anybody okay but it was just this little high-pitched perforator oh and it was like the actual understatement of how brutal it was yeah. made it feel more dangerous oh sure more alien because it's just this little pish, and then yeah. someone died mm. and you're like oh my this is <laughs> this is a powerful <laughs> right but it, powerful it, was, it was actually sort of the wispiness of it it's just right. this, one straight line. It was like the you know the, the embodiment of the sniper. Yeah, right. Or a perfect straight line. Yeah, and uh, that's a rail gun. Yeah, that's and it's uh, on a rail, <laughs> but it didn't have a devastating yeah. quake. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You just perforated with it, and yeah. it, it made you think about the the how unpleasant that could be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So um, I want to tie this back to a little bit about what you were talking about with uh, with Mountain Blade, actually. Uh, yes, <laughs> yes, um, yes. So, Backing into Mountain Blade. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so a um, couple things about that game. One is I think you told me one someone once described it to you as just like Men Shout Simulator or something. At the end, that's, especially that's when you win the battle. Accurate. Yeah. yeah. Oh, when they're when they're cheering. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it must have been a fun day to record in the studio that day. Yeah, They're this like, must be a fun day for Josh. Yeah. <laughs> I tried to pull back a little bit, Josh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think like there's there's two elements of sound that I think influence that game, um, or at least are relevant to this conversation. One is that yes, um, the fact that it is you're in a war band. I don't <laughs> I don't think it would be nearly as interesting if you didn't have. The men shouts yeah. going yeah. on. We're g- we're gonna end today's podcast with some men shouts. But yeah, we'll just, <laughs> yeah. I just that's gonna happen. Excited. All right, fair yeah. enough. Um, but I think there's another uh, element too that I'd like to poke at, which is like um, Ethan's investment in the game is helping him overcome some of the control issues yeah. that he's encountering yeah. as he hollers at his connect uh, <laughs> in, in the closet where he plays this yes, game. Exactly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think like the, there's an element of of that with with what we're talking about with sound, and that um, a better, richer sonic environment creates investment yeah. on the on the half of on behalf of the player. Mm-hmm. And I think that's super critical to the success of the experience. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. Um, that's 
with with Mountain Blade, I I get so frustrated <laughs> with the controls yeah. that I just want to chuck it. But I, it is the only game that I play on the Xbox right now. I keep coming back to it, and and it's not because, uh, you know, it's it's a juicy game to play. It's just because I want it. I want yeah. it to succeed. Yeah. Um, and that's I think what what that. Uh, sort of tells me about that game and about what you know just any game really is that if if the player wants it to succeed if the player is interested is is like this is a cool idea i really like this that's almost more well in this case definitely more important than the game mechanics than the like uh the user interface, the user experience, anything like that is almost beneath the the drive, the urge to play the game because it, you think that it's fun and that it's a fun experience. And mm-hmm. that, you know, t- taking this into the classroom and thinking about that as a student, you know, investing in a game and investing in learning something with that game, uh, that's that's a that's a critical component of what what the the student thinks that th- that they're getting out of it if they if they enjoy that that time in the day when they get to sit down and play a game to learn mm-hmm. if if that in that situation is a positive one if they feel like they want this game to succeed they want to learn through it they will they will it'll be a good experience mm-hmm. and and sort of the inverse of that is you can make this really super great game that is is really robust and everything is great but if the student is like ah, right I, I don't know about games <laughs> yeah, i feel like i mean you're basically poking at like even in the commercial game industry just the quest for activating the intrinsic motivation mm-hmm. right and that's that's the thing that i think people often forget especially if they're embarking on an educational game project they're like oh we're gonna make a game which means people will want to do it mm. there are so many games i do not want to play yeah right, right. and these are games made most games <laughs> made for only one yeah. purpose, right? Those <laughs> games are made for me to want to play them, right. and, yeah. and they don't work, right? Yeah, because when we when we sit down at a game, it should have you know up and down engineered as many intrinsic motivation generating <clears throat> doodads and spikes as possible. Mm-hmm. But right. you know, if it's uh, if it's a game that doesn't align with my own identities in terms of what I might be good at or what I would want to be good at. Mm-hmm. or what I think is interesting, um, it's almost certainly doomed, yeah. right? And then even when I'm playing it, um, I'm like, oh, you know, your guys' interpretation of mastery mm. is not interesting to me, mm-hmm. right? So, I mean, if someone told me they don't like Mountain Blade because it's too, the failure repercussions are too brutal, right? You, mm. You're yeah. like, hey, I played four hours, accidentally ran into some Vikings before I'd actually gotten a decent horse, and now it's over. Yeah. Uh, I'd be like, I get it. <laughs> yeah, that's that's, that's fair, man. Yeah. it's a t- it's a raw game. You can get wiped out in that right? game, so yeah. it's uh, um, not to drift too far into another anecdote, but I I play Diablo three in hardcore mode, ah. which means if you die, you die for good. Yeah, mm. uh, and uh, a former developer here at Film at Dan Troon, uh, probably the best game player I know. Mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a beast. He's a beast. He's certainly <laughs> in the top two or three. Um, he doesn't play hardcore because he prefers pushing the maximum uh, strategy of damage and survivability and then 
occasionally falling off the edge. Yeah. And being like, whoops. Yep. And he was like, I can't understand how you could possibly play hardcore because, uh, you know, it's the penalty is way too high. I was like, well, Detrune, would you enjoy playing Diablo 3 if, for example, you just couldn't lose health and you would never die? Yeah. <laughs> and he was like, no, 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 that would be no fun. I was mm-hmm. like, okay, we have the same feeling about where we need our risk and reward to be. I'm just moved so, on to another spot on the scale. Yeah, yeah. you're on a different part I, of I the spectrum. I find the death trivial enough mm-hmm. to not be a satisfying risk, whereas hardcore is heart-poundingly scary when yeah. things go awry. Sure. Uh, Accidents can happen in oh, that they world. Oh, so do. <laughs> they have consequences. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and that is, uh, to me, a big thrill, right? When mm-hmm. your little 20-hour invested little death barbie tips over because you didn't notice the ground <laughs> was a... Death barbie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's what they are, right? No, it's true. Yeah. I, I Yeah, I got into someone who... Yeah, World of Warcraft, someone was making fun of me for collecting pets, and I was like, we are both playing with digital dolls right now. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like... Don't lie to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't yeah. matter what you do with your doll still a digital doll yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> especially I think in Diablo 3 more so even than World of Warcraft because mm-hmm. it's all about what what kind of pants you can find oh yeah <laughs> exactly I got the new pants yeah, they double my crit damage yeah your Malibu shaman pants <laughs> right and then if then you can go to the enchantress and make sure that everything is color coordinated and looks really good and then you can strut around being like, look at me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then you great. go pound demons, right? Yeah. So it's a <laughs> death Barbies, man. But yeah, so death that Barbies. the risk and reward adjustment is just another one of the things that like is a non-starter for lots of people when it comes to intrinsic engagement. Mm-hmm. And, and learning games obviously have another hurdle in which we're asking people to play a game, not even based on their interest in fact possibly based on their lack of interest yeah mm-hmm. yep. uh, as an intervention um uh and so that is a tall order sometimes and i think a, a advantage we get often is that in schools often a lot of kids have a lot of sense of possibly digital literacy or game playing literacy mm-hmm. uh, uh and they see games as an opportunity to leverage those parts of the identity that they think are otherwise entirely neglected by school. Yeah. They're like, I'm so good at these things and school doesn't care. So yeah. mm-hmm. this game, even though it's not about uh, running three lanes of minions, mm-hmm. uh, it's it's about Punnett squares. I'll still crush it. It's yeah. still a domain that they are familiar right? with. So yeah. they can leverage <laughs> another identity that they wouldn't normally get access to. Mm-hmm. And that is enough to sort of fire off the intrinsic engagement loop. Yeah, it it reminds me of a word that um, Matthew Farber used uh, when he was on the podcast a couple weeks ago called illusory attitude, not not illusory, but illusory attitude. Um, I blacked that out. Yeah, and it it was it when I when I (laughs) was listening to the podcast and I heard him mention it, I was like, "What is that? I've never heard of that. What is that word?" And so I had to look it up. Um, and a, the illusory attitude, this is via Wikipedia, um, is the psychological attitude required of a player entering into the play of a game. To adopt a illusory attitude is to accept the arbitrary rules of a game in order to facilitate the resulting experience of play. Wow, I regret blacking that out. That is a great term. It's a great well, term. you speak to it all the time, too. Yeah, yeah just, right. That's just exactly. the name for it. Yeah, there, I was like, there yes. are words. <laughs> Finally, we can hang in a hang name with. Spell that, spell that for me and everyone. Yes, the spelling for illusory is L-U-S-O-R-Y. Lucery. Yeah, and it's in its... What is the root of that? That is a strange word. Good question. I don't know. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah, lucery attitude. I took three years of Latin. I still can't help you. <laughs> yeah, right. That's. A, I mean, I, I can't think of a. I can't think of a fitting root on that one. Yeah. That's worth looking into. Lucery. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Lucery. Hmm. All right. Yeah. So there you have it. That's a good one. Very heady stuff yeah. that we've got here, which actually, <laughs> if I may, gives Ooh. me a nice smooth transition Nicely to our final Nicely segment done. <laughs> of the episode. Acronym. Acronym of the week. Yes. So. Uh, I uh, have two shout outs. Okay. Actually. Let's do it. One shout out is for Ethan. Oh. The okay. man who thought of. He did think ah, of this. That's true. That's right. He did yes. think of this. Not, he just strolled into a meeting. We've been struggling for like a year of being <laughs> like, what could possibly be as good as Contronym Corner? <laughs> you know, the ultimate bit. And <laughs> he was like, I don't know. What about like the acronym of the week or something? <laughs> then he like, he brought a microphone in and he dropped it. And yeah. 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 Just uh, peeked my head in the corner. Uh, acronym mm. of the week. Yeah. yeah. And, and my second shout out is actually to Cat Shanahan. Mm-hmm. Uh, our last podcast uh, is actually the last one we had with Kat, who helped coordinate the podcast. Mm-hmm. And she's always preferred to be behind the scenes. So yes. we thought it'd be better to not make a big deal out of it. While she was here. While she was here. But now that she's gone. Now that she's gone. <laughs> we're going to do whatever we want. Yeah. You, man. <laughs> you were totally awesome. You made this podcast happen, and your efforts were super appreciated. So thank you so much, Kat. Good job, Kat. Yeah, yeah Kat. Proud of you. Yep. Way to go. Okay. <laughs> All right. Let's acronym it up. And then remember, men shouts. Men ah, shouts. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. All right. So here's the acronym. This is for you to consume, Mr. Dan Norman. I'm ready. Because I know what's going on. Ethan suggested it. Again, this guy just brings the content. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> H-R-T-F. Okay. So um, have we talked about acronyms that are pronounceable versus non-pronounceable is whether or not they're still acronyms. I don't know. Oh. I think technically, if it cannot it ha- be said. It's not an acronym? It is not an acronym. It has a, there's another term for it. I mean, I mean, we're going to go for we it. We say out. <laughs> well, that, to me, that was the joke, right? We uh, torture sure, yes. that one into sure, acronym shape. Sure. Well, this is hurt. Hurtf, yes. Hurtf. Hurtf. Yeah, so hurt. Yeah. yeah, all right. Hurt, H-R-T-F. H-R-T-F. Uh... uh RTFM, I know. Um, HRTF, Human Resources. No. no. Uh, holistic Ranching. Uh, Do you want hints? I would like a context, yes. Okay. So I mentioned that heady stuff would make a good transition to this segment. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Interesting. So yeah. uh, head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Off to a good start. These, yes. <laughs> your powers of deduction. So. Yeah. <laughs> head. <laughs> Just Norton saying. Knees and toes. Knees and toes. Oh. No, I don't know. I don't know. What, Ooh, I need more tough. context. It's tough. Okay. Um, I, yeah, I have no idea how to give this context. Well, um, Ethan what, mentioned earlier. I, I, I was what kind, kind of, of like, professional uses this acronym? That so, might, uh, yeah, talk an about audio, the, An audio professional yeah, uses okay. this acronym. Yeah. Talk um, about the thing, the yeah, skull thing. Yeah, the skull thing, that was t- the dummy head that uh-huh. I was talking about before, when, when the binaural recording is made, they use these HRTFs, Hertz, 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 Hertz. Hertz. Uh-huh. <laughs> to, uh, to make it sound accurate. Okay. 
We don't have to torture it too long. Yeah, yeah I'm yeah. done. I'm okay, done. done. All right. I'm, all right. I'm so uh, <laughs> tapping out on this <laughs> yeah, one. That's yeah. all right. That's all right. He's yeah. on the ground. Yeah. Foaming at the mouth. All right. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, head-related transfer function. Ooh. Head-related mm-hmm. transfer function. Head-related. Tra- I never, ever, ever would have guessed it. Yeah, yes. no, yeah. exactly. That's why I, just, yeah. that's why I stopped. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Day two. <laughs> Morale is low. <laughs> Head resources. Uh, yeah. Anyways. Um, no. So, <laughs> so what's what's cool to me about this is that um, it's sort of like your cranial fingerprint, yeah, <laughs> in yep. a way, yeah. um, because it's like as Ethan explained it to me, um, and now I'm going to explain it so I sound like the expert. Is yeah. that <laughs> um, it basically impacts how your particular skull construction. Mm-hmm consumes sound and transfers it into your brain as the electrical signals through the jiggling ear bones that mm. Ethan was mentioning earlier. So, yep. um, but tell me about what you can do with Oculus, because like, I love yeah. this. Well, it, it, I looked into that, and it's not with Oculus, but there is a company that's, oh, okay. that's doing It's a different this, company. Yeah. Um, uh, so each of us have a, a certain density, size of head. Our shoulders are different, and that all... What are you Come, trying to say, Ethan? <laughs> <laughs> You're special, Dan. <laughs> uh, Your obviously. head is is incredibly dense. <laughs> In that Dungeons and Dragons uh, campaign we just played, there was a, a bad guy who whose bones had turned into a spongy mush, Ooh. and his head caved in with a hammer, and it just and it sort of oh boy, just sort of stayed depressed rather than shattered. He would have a very unique head-related transfer. Yeah, his, yeah, his HRTF would be <laughs> crazy. Tied yeah. it in. Yeah. So right. um, there is a company that exists. I don't know the name of it, and I won't plug that company as a result. Um, that will, through an, an application, a phone application, will measure your pinna, your ear, the outer ear, and make a head-related transfer function for you. So that you can apply that to sounds uh, that you have coming through headphones. So basically, um, our our ears shape the sound. If this head-related transfer function is basically a filter that that gives any sound that's coming through a headphone that sonic signature that your ears give to it. Oh, interesting. And so when you're in a, a VR environment, for instance, um, when you your head uh, it has you know if you have your HRTF your personalized HRTF then the sounds really are being shaped by your head whereas uh, in most uh, existing just software development they they use a dummy head HRTF or don't use HRTFs at all it's just spatialized with amplitude and um, time differences yeah um, which is which is that works and it does a good job. That's how stereo, you can pan things around in space is just with amplitude on one side or amplitude on the other mm-hmm. or time differences. But HRTFs also shape the spectrum of the sound, the harmonic content that is changed by your ears and head. So uh, if you were to give me one sound, mm. not HRTF modified, and then another one, yep. would, I, would, I have a, would I be able to tell the difference? What do you think? I think you would. Okay. I think you would. Um, because a sound, and it depends sort of on your listening mode. I think headphones are, are, are critical for this type of sure. of listening. Um, but if, if you just heard like a finger snap off to your left and it was just a stereo recording, it would sound like it's off to the left. It would sound like it's probably in the room that it was recorded in. But if you used an HRTF, 
you would probably be able to really pinpoint in space where that came from. Interesting. Uh, and there are many uh, examples of non-sighted people using like echolocation, basically, right, yes. to, to get yeah, around in, yeah. in, in space. And, and that is because our, our brains uh, in neuroscience is called auditory scene analysis. Our brains are super, super good at determining distance and location via the reverberant qualities of a room or the space. I won't lie. I've given that a shot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Getting that, home at night and- That's your approach you to know, this podcast, wandering really. Through this, <laughs> <laughs> through <the house. laughs> Touché, sir. Touché. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the, the echolocating is, is fascinating yeah. stuff. Very yeah. cool. All Very right. Cool. So are you going to fire one of these up at some point? An HRTF? Yeah. I'll see. I'll see. We'll get a dummy head in here, and, yeah. and Josh and I will make a recording of yeah, plaster of Paris. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> of Norton's skull. Oh, has it got to be me? Yeah, it's got to yeah. be. All right, we, yeah. we, we want maximal dentist. And then you'll have your own. <laughs> you'll have your own personalized HRTF. Yeah, and then so is the uh, idea that this is a filter that can now be run post on your computer for it to like HRTFify. Yeah, stereo sound so yeah, your games not, are more immersive than ever mm-hmm. I'm not exactly sure how it would be integrated uh, in, in a game or you know with this company that you can get this personalized HRTF yeah. I'm not sure how they integrate that after you get it but um, I'm sure it's can be done that is fascinating mm-hmm. alright yeah so out there at home go and get your head scanned <laughs> yeah <laughs> so you too can enjoy the power of HRTF um <laughs> I That's, guess if you want to plaster your cast of my skull, you know, send a... Yeah. No, we'll put that on the assembly line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll, yeah. <laughs> I will make a store page for that. Um, <laughs> $29.99. Yeah, we can file this under what could possibly go wrong for sure. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, uh, particularly Ethan, for joining us today. You're very welcome. It's a fascinating and extremely uh, meta recording. Um, so, yeah. Um, thanks again, everyone. We'll see you next week. Yeah. And now look, we have just run down the last Vager, uh, Vager night. Yeah. As he, as he was trying to escape the scene. Yeah. <laughs> Are we going to loot or are we just going to walk? <laughs> Definitely walking. <laughs> Definitely looting. Okay. I think we should loot. All right. You guys loot. I'll walk. Okay. All right. Thanks everyone. Thanks for listening to the Filament Games podcast. If you'd like to hear more about games, game-based learning, and what goes on inside our studio, subscribe today on iTunes or Stitcher. Xbox, stab. Xbox, stab.